and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the Pack Heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning, and welcome to episode 64, where today I have Melissa Mills, who is the founder and CEO of Spreadham Kitchen, along to dig into the business model and, uh, and founding story of Spreadham. Now, founded in 2015, Spreadham Kitchen started in Melissa's home kitchen as a weekend farmer's market side hustle just so that she could earn some extra money to take some time off from her 9 to 5 to figure out exactly what she wanted to do with her life. So from those humble beginnings in her home kitchen in 2015, she moved into a commissary from 2016 to 18, and then in 2019, they doubled down and moved into their first facility, which would have been huge, as you would imagine. But now they are in their own 20,000 square foot state-of-the-art facility located in Richmond, B.C. So they've come a long way over those years, as you can imagine, and you will find her dips and cheeses nationwide in thousands of stores right across Canada, and they are soon to dip down into the USA as well, which is awesome. Now, we all have unique motivations and drives in life. I mean, that's very obvious. However, successful business founders are built very differently to the average Joe Schmo. They're relentless in their pursuit of building a unique business model that thrives no matter the ups or downs that are inevitable along the way. And today's episode with Melissa highlights the DNA that must be embedded in such a founder. It's a conversation for anyone out there who is looking for the light at the end of the tunnel, who has rolled up their sleeves with a pack of a mentality and is getting it done. Now, Melissa has been extremely generous and is offering you all 15% at the Spreadham checkout. So use the promo code PACKHEAVY15. Just head on down into the show notes and click on the link. But as usual, before we kick off in today's conversation with Melissa, just a quick mention of our show sponsor, Foodback. I talk about Foodpack quite a lot on the podcast, so a lot of you are familiar with the services and the products that we sell. But for the first time listeners out there, there are some things that I'd like to highlight for you. So the first of which is that we've been in business for 50 years, so it's fair to say that we've got the experience and the capability within our four walls to ensure that you end up with the right flexible package for your business. The other key thing to remember is that we've evolved a lot over those 50 years as well. So over the last two years particularly, uh, we have absolutely kept our finger on the pulse and we are completely up to date on where the market is at with all of the technology and uh, all of the sustainability requirements that you are looking for for your business. Now, there are three specific areas that we execute on really well at Foodpack, the first of which is our stock bag and film program, which you could think of as a turnkey solution for your business. So you can get your food-based product straight into the pouch and out onto the retail shelf, which is awesome. The other is our custom printed bags, which is actually my favorite part of the business and what I think I do best. I love speaking with my clients about their bags and their artwork and ensuring that we get a really high quality, beautiful pouch into their hands and out onto their uh, retail shelf and into their consumers' hands as well. Uh, the other part of the business which is critical for your business is our equipment. So think about Cipramac vacuum chamber machines, plex pack band sealers, and repack tray sealers and thermoformers. Obviously, with the tray sealers, we sell the trays that coincide with it, and the lidding film and the thermoforming film that goes along with the thermoformers. So if you're looking to get into the market for the first time or would like me to assess your existing packaging program and equipment options, I recommend that you get in touch with me directly by emailing me at hayden at foodpack.ca or by calling me on 604-360-6790.
Melissa, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. How's life on your end? Yeah, not too bad. I'm looking forward to, you know, the last two years being put behind us and, and chugging along with, you know, yeah. my curiosity and my dreams without any limitations beyond myself. Oh, my myself. gosh. Yeah, I know. And I mean, like the impact, we don't even really need to dig into it because everybody's so aware out there. The impact that, you know, COVID has had on small business and especially in the food CPG space. However, what has been the most noticeable impact that you've found to your business? Well, you know, it's really put my problem solving cap on, I would say for many things in terms of supply issues from packaging to the big tornado, or I don't know what it was, hurricane that happened in Texas. And that's basically where all of the plastic resin gets created to turn into plastic containers and all that, you know, going through, through some of that stuff and trying to navigate that to, um, most recently though, sampling, right? Like with smaller yeah. brands, more gourmet artisanal things where the yeah. price point's a bit higher. We really rely heavily on t- people tasting the product yeah. and trying to figure out how we're going to get this stuff in people's mouths yeah. actually turned into a product itself, which we just got all the packaging. Today was the final delivery of the uh, outside carton. And so uh, those will be shipping out to distribution in the next coming uh, week or so. Congratulations. So, yeah. And just trying to figure it out, you know, as you yeah. go. Yep. Yep. I hear. Now you just brought up sampling and a common theme on this podcast has been farmers markets, you know, whether we're talking about Jackie from Leaders Mexican, quite a few people, or even um, Jordan Hawking from Sriracha Revolver, they all started at farmers markets. And I know that's where you got your start as well. Yeah. Farmers markets was low barrier to entry kind of way to test your idea but i wasn't even trying to test an idea to be honest i wasn't even trying to start a business yeah i was just trying to make some money because i always worked low paying minimum wage style jobs yeah um and i never had any savings and Mm -hmm. i just you know i was turning like 30 or something maybe around there and I was like, I need to figure my life out. Like, I can't keep renting rooms. Like, how am I ever going to, like, meet the man of my dreams or have a yeah. kid? Or, like, am I going to be an adult or am I stuck in this purgatory? Because, you know, obviously living in Vancouver or anywhere yeah. now in Canada, yeah. rent is high and inflation's going up and people aren't really paying anymore, you know. And I never really thought about running my own business, even though I've been fired from any jobs for insubordination and kind of having that <laughs> strong will that people don't really like. Yeah. Difficult, you know. And so... I, I felt like I'll apply to this farmer's market because I can sell this thing and whatever money I make from that, I'll go and ponder my existence on some mountaintop in South America because it's the <laughs> cheapest place to go. Yeah. And hopefully I'll get a lightning strike moment where the universe tells me where I belong. What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Because all the things I thought I was supposed to be doing are not paying my bills. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And it turned out that that lightning hit and it was actually with Spreadham and the farmer's market where the opportunity was. Yeah. I mean, I'll never forget my first market. I'll never forget the way I was filled up with glee and joy and the spirit of other vendors, but also for what I had created. I've always been a creator, always. Mm. Like since I was very, very young, I've always been making things that I couldn't afford to have because Mm -hmm. I grew up very low income and I never wanted to just not have things. So I would always try to figure out how can I make this long board for 20 bucks instead of spending 150 bucks that all the other kids have, or how can I make this food or, or these things? And so it was just this perfect like lightning strike moment where the universe was validating. Yes, this is where you're supposed to be. And to know that I was doing good, cause that's always been something 
I don't know why I was wanted to do good for the world. And so to hear all the people saying, you know, I have all these allergies and I can't eat anything tasty. Like everything's so bland and like doesn't taste good. And like when I eat the products that you're making, the dips or cream cheeses, I don't feel like I am different than anybody else. I feel like I actually get to experience full flavor, intentional products that aren't meant for lactose intolerant, mm-hmm. or not meant for gluten-free people. You know, there's no, it's just pure flavor. And I think, you know, hearing that and people calling me and wanting to meet me in the Starbucks parking lot to buy 20 or 30 dips <laughs> because they were afraid they'd never see me again. I was yep. like, what is going what am I on? Dealing here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is cool, but also weird. Yeah, but great <laughs> product validation. Like to to get that validation so that you had the confidence to reinvest in the business and in yourself again, I can imagine would have been a great feeling. Oh, amazing. And to know that in one farmer's market, I would I made more money than I make in two weeks at my other job mm-hmm. was amazing because I was yeah. like, there is hope for me. There yeah. seems to be a channel that is undiscovered by me where maybe I don't have to go back to school for two or five years or invest without mm-hmm. actually seeing a return. The return was so quick. Mm-hmm. And I know not everyone has that experience at the farmer's markets. I mean, a lot of times people's products, to be honest, they don't do so well, mm-hmm. or they just sort of like, you know, they only make a hundred or 200 bucks and the table's $60. So it's kind of like, is this a thing? And it's yeah. really time consuming. Yeah. But for me, I had absolutely nothing to lose at yeah. all yeah and it just so happened there was nothing like what i was making so it all kind of lined up so why why cheeses why um and also did you have somebody that was sort of offering you some guidance and sort of saying hey listen this would be a really good way to go about it this is how you structure your pricing like tell us right from the very start how it all began yeah i mean no there was no one there was only me i mean you know back i have been through several layers of schooling so I, I yep. took I, I took advertising mm-hmm. um, back when I was 22 or so when I first went to a college mm-hmm. it was a polytechnic school called Sheridan and I took advertising I never got a job in that though because I always had very low confidence I never felt professional so I just yep. never I always just applied at grocery stores or worked landscaping jobs um, so and I've always been interested in, so I've never had a lot of money to do things. So I spent a lot of time in chapters or indigo books, reading books for free, basically, and just kind of staying on top of things. And I've always been kind of design savvy, just as an interest. Yeah. Um. So I think that kind of really helped. Um. But basically, I just went into the store. I, I've always loved dips too. So I've been making my own healthy versions of not so healthy things mm-hmm. forever, forever, mm-hmm. forever, since I was like 13. Um, and so I just went into the grocery store and looked at pricing. I was like, well, how much is a hummus? Okay. How much is a pesto? And how much is this? And what's the highest price I could charge for that? And then I kind of looked, okay, this $6.99 or $7.99 seems to sort of fit. Mm-hmm. This is before I got distribution, of course. Yeah. Um, and I kind of did my costing. So I was like buying my cashews originally from No Frills. Cause it just was the really, the- yeah. Yeah, it was the cheapest place, not even the bulk bin. Actually, it was cheaper than than the bulk bin was the actual dandy pack. They had like two pound round containers yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and so I was buying it from there. And um, I just kind of did a quick costing thing. I've never been number savvy. I'm certainly a visual person. People might argue I have dyslexia or like I don't, you know, I don't really read things. I skim them. I'm not 
I'm very impatient. So it, I didn't put any thought into it, to be honest, nothing really. Um, and that's kind of, it just sort of worked out. I mean, that's not going to be helpful for people, but it did. And so you obviously recognize some pretty critical things like building relationships with your clients, having great conversations with them to get feedback on the product and sort of get that iteration sort of going. And that's the value of being at a farmer's market. Would you suggest that it was sort of through the trials and tribulations of being at the farmer's market and just getting out there and having a go that has sort of saw some early success for you? Yeah, I would say the cash flow was the most important yeah. part of it because a lot of people, I mean, I started this with $500, yeah. literally no money at all. Yeah. Um, I even had to use, I don't want to use the word manifest, but it kind of fits yeah. like where you I had was a clear vision. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I had, didn't have any money and I was like, I need coolers. Where am I going to find coolers? Because they're pretty expensive to buy new mm-hmm. and I need some. And up, suddenly they would appear. Two of them appeared in the Rona parking lot that were perfectly brand new. I scooped them up on my bike and I took them home. Kind of like those sorts of like weird moments of like, yeah. I think just that your awareness yeah. when you need something, yeah. we're apt to see it. Whereas if you, you didn't, and I knew a lot of people. So after I started this in my home kitchen as well, when I moved to a commissary, once I started after my first summer, I was like, well, I should get in a few stores. Customers seem to want me to go there. Obviously yep. need to go into a commissary regulated space for that. And a lot of people would show up at a table next to me with a fresh new grant or loan for $10,000 or $20,000. And the first thing they would do is buy a bunch of shit that they didn't necessarily need yeah. or a car yeah. Yeah. or a fancy piece of equipment. And I didn't have that luxury. So I mm-hmm. never, and I've always been very thrifty because I grew up fairly poor and as well, mm-hmm. I've never had money to spend in my adult life. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really do any of that. And I saw so many people fail or have to give up because they, all their money was tied up mm-hmm. uh, in, in these sorts of things. So I think the farmer's market was a great way to not only prove concept, but to get that injection of cash mm. um, pretty on regularly um, and be able to put that right back in to my business. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously improve your standard of living as well. Um, at what point did you go, Hey, I'm onto something here and I can grow it beyond that. Like, was that something that you figured out early on or did it take a little bit of time to sort of get to that place? I would say it happened pretty quickly, but not a choice by me again. That's why I really do feel like I had some divine intervention if that exists or energetic intervention, because um, I actually was working part-time as a server at a fancy pizza place with a farm to table pizza place and actually got fired um, from there as they were changing management. And to be honest, I was not that good of a waitress. Like I have a great personality and that's what people tell me. And a lot, but I suck. My memory isn't great. It's never been great. I'd mess up orders all the time, but I'd usually be able to smooth it over because my personality, like, Hey, with a smile. Yeah. You know what? You, you ordered this pizza, but you know what? This one came, I accidentally pushed this in and I tell you, it's so good. And if you don't like it, I'll try to figure it out for you. But why don't you give it a try instead? Yeah. And then people would always be like, oh God, Mel. Okay. You know, you know, yeah. I always kind of like got through, but the new manager was like, no, this is not the vision of the restaurant or yeah. whatever. And so yeah. I kind of got fired. And that was when I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to do farmer's markets forever. Mm-hmm. I literally thought that that's where my vision was going to end. It, I love the vibe of it. It was so fun. I liked the hustle of it. Um, I, I liked being my own boss. I never really I never had a corporate experience before, so I didn't quite know how to even dream bigger, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know what that would look like. 
And I thought, okay, this is what I'll do. But you know, before I knew it, I was making a million dollars in a commissary that didn't even have a proper fridge space for me. So we were hand bombing pallet, like packing pallets. Um, we were stacking boxes to the ceiling tied up with um, ratchet straps yeah. to try to stay in my allocated space in the cooler. Of course, people were complaining. Mel's taking over all the spots, you know, how commissaries can get. And like, it got, it got wild, you know, and that's when I was like, and I, I think I was starting to distribute a little bit further than beyond BC at that point. Yeah. Or I had just gotten distribution. So we were starting to do even more business uh, through Horizon here in BC mm-hmm. and entertaining the idea of Ontario. And that's when I was like, hmm, maybe I need to get my own space. And that's actually really scary for somebody who's only ever rented rooms for the most part in places, has never had any responsibility. And I've never had a car loan. I've never owned anything everything all my possessions have been a garbage bag worth of stuff yeah i've had no investments you know so it was kind of scary and that's when i i decided to hire a um like a strategy person a consultant or a coach yeah yeah to kind of come in and do a weekend's three days worth uh with me and my employees i think i had like six employees at the time and i even had my my broker get involved um and just doing some idea post-it note Mm -hmm. type of a strategy session to kind of see like what could this vision look like how big could we be Mm. do 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 i have any business competing in this realm or is it saturated you know just Mm -hmm. so all these ideas and and then kind of after doing that and clarifying you know what if not me then who i love that saying yeah and i feel like through the story that i have through my upbringing there's nobody who has a story like me yeah who's been successful that i know of in food or maybe just yet who is also happens to be a female and a mom and you know last year i bought my own house my own house i bought a house in vancouver if that Congratulations. is not a milestone I don't <laughs> yeah, that's know a huge is. achievement yeah that's massive yeah. from somebody who is living out of basically a garbage bag renting rooms for less than 500 dollars for the majority of her life yeah, yeah that's a huge massive thing and so i i just decided that i was going to take it all the way and that's where we are today and i recently moved into a twenty thousand square foot facility i invested over a million dollars in equipment and leaseholds and without a loan um i just decided to put all the like money cash that we need and that maybe isn't the smartest idea i got to get some advice maybe on like how to spend my money better but um instead of in like assets but you know that's where we are today and i decided i'm just putting a the pat the gas pedal down and we're going for it that's amazing i love it we've covered a lot of ground already but i want to go back to the first million dollars the first million dollars is sort of a significant milestone because there's so much work that needs to be done to get a business off the ground you know get into those initial banners get product out into the world get that feedback increase the um you know the variety of SKUs that you've got out there and make sure you've got velocity that's you know and turnover that everybody loves so talk to us about sort of those milestones or the milestones that you sort of um came across to getting to your first million dollars in revenue yeah so my first year just in farmer's market, we made around $30,000. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then my first year in stores, we made $250,000. Yeah. Like it and, went huge. Yeah. And at what point did you, or where were you manufacturing your product to start with? Were you doing it in your kitchen at home or did you go straight into a commissary? No, my first year, oddly enough, I was allowed to make it in 
in my rental home kitchen. Yep. So I just had a Vitamix. Yeah. So I'd make two batches at a time. Yeah. And I would set out a couple folding tables and, and we would just fill it and make it in there and beat wow. it all over the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> and um yeah, it just so happened that I was allowed to make it from home. And then my second year or once I started going into stores, I yep. got a commissary, yep. one of the most infamous commissaries in Vancouver. Um, <laughs> there's a couple around now yeah 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 I got the one with the crazy guy um but anyway <laughs> um so then from there we went to around 250 and that's when I knew that I was like I don't think everybody because of course nobody really talks about money and that's something I'd yeah. also like to break barriers in it's like yep. I've come from absolutely nothing and I have zero hangups about money at all. I believe money is energy and mm-hmm. that it's sort of, it flows. And if you try to hold on to it, you're cutting off your own flow to it kind of idea. And that things have to be aligned in order for it to, to kind of come freely instead of being so much effort all the time. And so I do often, especially to my peers, um, speak openly about money because I kind of want to get rid of the stigma of hiding or like, just so you would know, because sometimes you're like, is my business doing well? How do I know? Well, money is a good way to know because obviously it's an end product of if you're, if people are buying yeah. it and they like it. And so, yeah, so then we did around 250,000 and then we jumped to 500 and then we jumped to a million. Like basically we're growing that quickly. And yeah. I think that was really attributed to a few different things. I mean, one, I was relentless. Like I didn't still didn't own a car for the first three years of Spreadham. I had a bike and transit and I would take the bus weekly to the overweighty food groups mm-hmm. head office all the way in like Langley or Surrey or wherever it is, which is not easy to get to by bus. Yeah. Yeah. I would drop samples off at the head office gal there. Yeah. Every two weeks or so. And I wouldn't hear anything back, but it was on my list. And the same with uh, choices. I would go all the way out to Delta or wherever it is. Um, and I would drop samples and we had the gatekeeper and, you know, I never heard back for quite a long time, but I went so often and I was always so nice, you know, I wasn't annoying or anything like that. And I think just eventually I wore those larger retailers sort of down. And I did learn that the lady from Save on Foods is actually has a, at the time had a cashew allergy. And so she just never had tried my product. It was only when she started hearing through word of mouth that, oh, this is an interesting product that I should look at. And so I think part of it was my product is really unique. I mean, mm. the beet dips and the flavor profiles, everybody's doing garlic and roasted red pepper. And here I have truffle dill and, and just some really interesting things. And I think my level of sampling, I mean, I would be doing two grocery stores a day. Wow. Uh, all week, you yeah. know, like a lot. And yeah. then the farmer's markets on top of that. And I was just using like as get as many people to taste this product as possible. It was kind of just the thing. Uh, I used to have this door-to-door sales job that was well business to business, and it was selling debit Visa, Mastercard subscriptions for Moneris, and it was 100% commission. Mm-hmm. And I became the number one salesperson, or getting people to sort of do this because there were a few little tricks that they taught us, or like mindset things, yep. which was like make five friends a day. Don't think about selling anything. All you want to do is make five friends a day. And when you change it from putting this sort of like more negative thing, like, oh, no, I got to sell this thing or, oh, no, I need to do this. If you just lighten it up and t- put more of a positive spin on it, that's more open, like make mm-hmm. five friends a day. I think those tiny details matter. Yeah. Yeah, no, understood. I mean, sales is a funny game. Like it can appear to some people as being a really slimy 
industry or a, sorry, a really slimy sort of um, profession. However, if you look at it through the lens of you're only trying to do one of two things, which is A, or one, trying to help people achieve their goals or trying to offer solutions to people's problems, you know, like if you're looking at it through that lens and if you've got a solution that can fit that, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, uh, you're doing everybody a service. And so, yeah, I mean, I love being in sales. I know I've loved being in sales for quite some time right now. And, and it's because of that. It's a, it's a purpose that I feel as if I'm um, fulfilling, you know, um, so when you were out there hustling and you were talking to potential um, banners to get your product into, what were the conversations like? Like were they, they always wanted to sample the product first or was it sort of like they were looking for proof of concept in other banners or who were the early adopters? Yeah, I think I would just force them to taste it. Yeah. And honestly, as soon yeah. as someone tastes my product, they're blown away. They really yeah. are. It's yeah. like a flavor bomb that you've never tried before. Yeah. Um, and you don't even actually care what's in the tub. You don't care if it's a cashew dip. You don't care what I call it. It yeah. just tastes so good. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was just, I would prepare my little packages as, so that they could taste it right away. I'd put some little crackers in there and some other things in a little card and a sample thing as if it was so easy to do. And sometimes I'd even hang around until they did, you know, yeah. at some of the smaller stores. So the first yeah. few were Green's Market on Broadway has been a customer since I I used to deliver to them on my bicycle. Yeah, cool. Um, Famous Foods yeah. was uh, one of my very first customers. On Broadway? And we're still, yep. Yeah, and we're still there today. Or on Kingsway, yeah. yeah, yeah and, sorry, and they, Kingsway, and they yeah. offer everything that we have. Tammy yeah. and the deli has always been a huge supporter of, yeah. of, of the things that we do there. Um, Choices was actually pretty early on. It took us about a year to get in there. And I think that they were more skeptical, but I think it's because I couldn't get to the right person. So I feel mm. like the more complicated the structure, I think like now, because it's not owned by the same people and it's now an overweighty um, retailer or whatever, it would be even harder because there's just, the more level of bureaucracy involved, the more yeah. difficult it is to get the person to taste it who's the decision maker. Yeah. And the less, I guess, pressure they have on their targets and like all of these things that they're willing to give it a try. So mm -hmm. I think the huge thing was I didn't want to blow this up right away. So I was like, I don't want to be in Save On Foods. Yeah. You know, I only wanted to be in the smaller retailers that were singles. Like Choices to me was a big deal. I mean, yeah. they had so many um, locations. Yeah. I didn't even actually know that they were a bigger store because there was one on Commercial Drive. Um, and I just thought it was one store that was yeah. more. So, yeah. I mean, I, there was a certain level of, I don't know if the word's called like naivety or being naive yeah. about what's involved and what I'm supposed to be doing and how big this really is and the pressures involved and distribution and margins. Like, I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if I had known all of it, if I would have tried to do what I did because it's overwhelming. Yeah. Like, I would recommend to people only open the doors that you need to as it comes don't yep. don't like go to make your high level goal kind of vague precise but like don't like do tactics yeah like put a number up there or put a store up there but like the more you can just like put on pure curiosity and adventure i mm -hmm. think that's another thing that kind of took me along the way is i saw this whole thing as a little adventure like mm. i was some kind of hero like zelda and i was you know collecting coins and answering questions and you know beating bad guys and i just sort of saw it like that and i think that kind of helped that's awesome i just want to circle back to your product being delicious and um i can 
I can absolutely agree with that. I caught my little boy in the fridge the other day. So we've got a lock on the fridge because he always goes to the fridge. We just my can't keep him out of it. Is he three or how old is your Saves kid? Saves four. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's in the fridge. He'll climb up onto the bench and open up the fridge. And one of those days we forgot to lock it. And there was uh, one of your spreads in there and he had his finger in in the tub, just like scooping it straight out. And I'm like, that's a really good sign. I'll pass that on. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, talk to me a little bit about your online sales. So I know that you've got on your website, you've got your shop and you're selling your bundles and so on. Did you start with that approach pretty early on as well? Or is that something you integrated on into the uh, fold later? We just started that actually September, 2021. Um, for two reasons, we had a website that was, um, WordPress style and it was just, it was just getting more and more complicated to do the types of um, adjustments that we wanted to do to get it to look the way we wanted it to look. Um, And as technology was progressing, we just decided to move to Shopify style. Mm -hmm. Um, And we thought, well, why don't we try selling it as well on there um, to sort of see, but I mean, I don't know if you hear this from other people, but shipping is kind of a killer. It's it like so takes, expensive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah. it's insane, especially for a cold product. So you have zero choice to do it other than like express one day, sometimes yeah. two days. Ice packs are expensive and you're contributing to waste. So we were trying to balance, you know, our sustainability pillars with like customer outreach and connection and mm-hmm. trial. Um, and so yeah, I mean, we make pretty good amount of money off of Shopify, but we really do try to drive people to store. Yeah. So yeah. our strategy for that, which I mean, is, yeah, just getting people to taste it, building a relationship, and then hopefully they'll go buy it at Superstore or Choices. Yeah. They or, can find it in the aisles or in the, co- yeah, exactly. And it'll probably be a bit cheaper for yeah. them too. Yeah, that's good. Um. So I mean, I don't want to circle back too far, but that first million dollars is a huge milestone as we sort of discussed. But I want to talk about the production side of things and how you scaled production to accommodate, you know, the output that you needed to achieve and whether your production or your style of production changed and whether you needed to adjust your recipes as the quantity sizes that you were producing increased and so on. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, did you consult with anybody on that front as well, like a food scientist or have you had to um, consult with a food scientist over the years as well? Yeah. Um, no, we haven't. Well, we did a couple of times yeah. um, for we were thinking about coming up with this product and I'm pretty sad. I don't know. I'm kind of a scientist, even though I'm like not a trained scientist, but I totally yep. understand science. The scientific method. Yeah. Organic chemistry. And yep. like, I understand methodology and, and those sorts of things. So I haven't mm-hmm. actually understood. And the internet is obviously a wonderful, amazing thing, a tool yep. beyond like almost too much information. So sometimes you can get a little bit caught in that, but um, I would say production wise, it went from being a Vitamix for mm-hmm. a pretty long time. So two dips at a time for a very long time, because I'm afraid to spend money. That's mostly why. So I would be there until 3am crying a couple of times, to be honest, because I'd have to be back at 5am. Mm-hmm. I remember calling my now husband at three in the morning and being like, I need to quit spreading. Like, I can't do this anymore. You know, like, I just, I just can't. I love it so much, but like, I'm dying inside. Like, it's just too much on my physical body. Can you come and help me put the lids on all these things? You know, and I'm the type of person too. I don't ask for help, to be honest. Like, I, I always take responsibility for whatever project I take on. And I, I find it very difficult to ask for help. So his great idea was like, why don't you just, Oh yeah. And we were hand filling them with a spoon. (laughs) 
for mm-hmm. so long. Do you, can you imagine me trying I can't to imagine. employees? No. I couldn't imagine also why so many people were quitting. I mean, I was trying to pay them pretty good. Like the time it was like 12, 14 bucks, yeah. which was a lot. It was more than minimum yeah. wage at the time, you know, it's like and, a good cafe um, job. Yeah. Yeah. And but people were quitting after like a month or more like, I'm too good for this. Like I can't be filling this thing with a spoon. And I just never got it because I'm, that I grew the way I grew up was like whatever means necessary. Like you don't give up. Like get it well, done. I would, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I, I didn't, it took me a while. And I think that's been one of my limitations is that my threshold for pain is quite high and that a lot of people just don't have that. And so I'm just like, what's their problem? <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, and so it was more, I did get some outside help mostly from my husband who has had more you know, like corporate style jobs where he's just like, you know, there's tools for this. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, but you know, it costs a hundred dollars or, or something really silly that I'd obviously make back pretty quickly. But because I was so afraid because I'd gone without money for so long, yeah. I was just like, what if it all goes away? Or like, what if that moment I put all my money and I buy this bigger mixer, no one buys a single spread them again. And he's like, you need to see a therapist for that because that's a total irrational thought. And like, <laughs> you know, just do it. And of course I did take the leap to do it. So I'm still, we still make things pretty hands-on. I would say this year I did upgrade to some larger machines, but for the most part, a lot of it is still human interactive because for me, the fermentation part is just something Mm. you can't, it's the, there's nuances to it. You know, you can't just like set it and forget it. There's so many variables um, and so a lot of stuff that we do is still fairly hands-on, I would say. Yeah. So being such a hands-on person and getting in there and getting your hands dirty, I can imagine that you would have potentially have found it really hard to let some things go. So what have you held on to and what have you outsourced? Yeah. I mean, it was right up until last year. So I was nine months pregnant and still blending dips. Wow. Still lifting 50 pound bags of cashew nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, still kind of like doing all of it. I, I hired my first operations manager two weeks before I was about to give birth. And then my kid came a week early. early. So I hardly <laughs> got to train her. Yeah. Um, and I think that if I hadn't have had a baby, I might still be blending dips, to be honest. Like yeah. I've read all the books, E-Myth or whatever, like yeah. don't be a technician or don't get yourself a job or, or those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. such a worker. Like I'm such a worker. I've had a job since I was eight years old. My first job was a paper route. Yeah. And then I had two paper routes. Um, and then I worked at, you know, the grocery store with the paper route with all the things. So I've always been a worker. Mm. Um, and so I think that has been another thing that sort of maybe held us back from exploding or getting investors or kind of taking more of a traditional route of an explosion an exploding brand Mm. is that I don't trust necessarily other people and other people's intentions for for many other reasons besides that but I just know that I'm really good at what I've created and Mm -hmm. so it is kind of like and bad things have happened I'm not going to lie since so this year so 2021 I did take more of a strategy role office i've hired more salary employees which is kind of like a big deal for me um and some bad things happen but i think that in terms of production or just things not do it going the way that i thought or things now cost a little bit more money because Mm -hmm. like people don't watch it the way i watched it or you know just in terms of ingredients or other things but i'm like you know 
that's okay because now we can afford it. This might've hurt the company a little bit more um, when we were smaller, but now that we're bigger, at least if it, if something like that happens, I can catch it and then we can train or, or, yeah. or figure out, or maybe some stuff I just have to swallow. Like I am a penny pincher through and through. Like if, if, you know, Snowcap is charging $3 for hairnet and Uline is charging three fifty. I'll get mad if you order it from you from you line. You know yeah. what I mean? I'll be yeah, like, yeah. no. And so I think it's also just like letting go of that though. Sometimes they order it from you line. It's not the end of the world, no. So I think that you know, I have to learn as a founder or from where I've come from because I don't come from business background. I have no business people in my family. I have none of that more high level strategic thinking mindset. I have to sort yeah. of train myself to zoom out more. Like stop wasting your brain cells on 50 cents sometimes, you know? <laughs> it sounds like parenting. Like, you yeah. know, none of us are born parents. We just sort of learn <laughs> yeah. on the fly if we're lucky to have had awesome parents to help and guide us through the process. And uh, yeah, I can imagine a startup business in a lot of ways. There's a lot of parallels there. How have you found it? Have you noticed a, a lot of change in you now that you're a mother? Have you noticed the approach that you take with your business has shifted as well? Yeah, I'm a lot more tired. So therefore, <laughs> I do not yeah, have yeah, as much capacity yeah, yeah. to take on as many things. And yeah. I literally have to go to bed yeah. at nine o'clock now. Whereas yeah. before, I would be working on spread them from... 5am. I mean, I still get up at 5am because I yeah. totally believe in the early riser. I do my exercise. I journal and awesome. I, you know, yeah. I think about what I want for my life in the future, not just yeah. for Spartan, but just in all things. And, yeah. um, I have to go to bed at 9am. Whereas before, yeah, I could work until 12 or one or I get ideas or like I do some, something I just enjoyed that wasn't spread and late at night. And mm -hmm. now it's just like, no, I just turn literally turn off. Like I'm like, Bew. yeah. Um, so I think there's that but I also think like don't sweat the small stuff and yep. being okay that like you're not finished your business isn't any I don't know what the word is but kind of like not nothing means anything but everything means everything Something, at the yeah. exactly yeah at the exact same time and just like pulling that into you know my memory as we go because yeah sometimes problems can seem so big Yep. You know, it, and sometimes when you're so close to things, they're not even that big a problem, but it, it just kind of all adds up. Yeah. Right? Little thing here, that little thing there. You don't really realize how much you're actually taking on until you yeah. start acting kind of grumpy and you're like, wait, this isn't me. So what's happening? Oh, I'm just holding on to this or that. And just step and back from it. Yeah. It compounds yeah. over time, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I heard that you are starting to crack down, uh, crack into the U S market down South. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that about because that. that is also a huge achievement and I'm sure that there's a lot that can be learned through uh, what you're going through right now for everybody out there listening. Yeah. So through COVID we got this idea to um, do this thing called the snack pack and it's a cracker and cream cheese in one kind of like a to-go thing. Yep. We paired up with free yum, which is a, a local gluten-free cracker yum. maker. Yep. Yeah as well so we're kind of excited to be supporting someone local as well but then with that idea some people from the u.s kind of got interested so there's been many companies that actually reached out or i don't know venture capital companies that tried to buy my company from u.s cheesemakers oh wow um and so that's when i was like well you know maybe i should start looking into going into the u.s a little bit more but um 
the, the snack pack thing was something that a lot of people were always just interested in. Mm. And so um, I took a trip in September and I, yeah, in September this year or 2021 with my yep. sister and we drove all around. We tried every vegan cheese there was. We went and talked to retailers. We talked to brokers just to kind of get a feel of like, okay, is this something we're ready for? And it turns out that we are. So we've gotten a booth at Expo West. Oh, great. Um, That's coming up. We, yeah. Yes. And we've got a distributor, a couple of distributors lined up and some retailers uh, kind of lined up and we're just sort of finishing up some of our packaging related things. Yep. Yep. And, and then we're going to, we're going to take a crack at it. Yeah. Awesome. Did you do any courses or did you read any books or refer to anybody about your strategy and what your approach you would take when entering the U S market? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hear all those people are like went to the U S and came back with tail between their legs. Yeah. So I reached out to as many Canadian well, West coast people as I could, who were in the U S or who were, and then came back. And, um, they all kind of basically had the same advice as well. So um, so I, I did that. I did the um, exporting plant tap tap okay. program, I think yep. it's called. Um, where I'll find it you, and put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. They help you write an export plan. You get to talk to a lot of um, like, I don't know, like um, the trade commissioners and just yep. like all the people that kind of live that every day. And that's very, very helpful. And you learn about different grants and those sorts of things. Right. Um, and so I kind of took all of that information and put that into a strategy for, for going out West. But most times people say like, it's more expensive than you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's just so vast. Like you, all you see is dollar signs. So don't, but don't like it costs a lot. Mm-hmm. you know, and these are why it costs so much. And, and sort of like people like Ian from hippie snacks, if you haven't yep. spoken to him, not yet, cool but he's guy. on the agenda. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's always so um, welcoming. And I think he's been a fan of our brand since the beginning, since the early days. And I, to be honest, I looked on their website many times as I was sort of setting up the vision for spread and like, how are we going to contribute in a greater way, not just to customers like putting us in their stomachs and digesting us, but like, who are we going to be as a company and what good and what impact are we going to have? And I think I used his company as a sort of a template for the things that were possible. And then sort of like from there, put my own personal touches on our brand. So like, you know, paying a living wage, this is the first year that all of, or since 2021, all of our employees have been paid a living wage. And -hmm. and that was something that was really, really important to me. And it seems like a lot of money, but when you invest in your people, um, you know, you, that's like the closest thing you can do to actually having an impact. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't always have to think so globally or or in such a vast way, like just, you know, impacting the people's lives that I see every day. Uh, in a good way. And then now thinking about, okay, so what's the plus plus to, you know, just more than a living wage, how else can I improve their lives or, you know, educate or, you know, be part of them, be part of Spreadham's vision. Um, Yeah. So hippie snack, Ian was a a big part of, well, he doesn't know that. Like I'm the type of person, like all my mentors are at a distance. They're either in books or I like sculpt them online. And like (laughs) LinkedIn's great for that, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I kind of figure it out from there. I'm kind of a shy person i guess when it comes to connecting um which is why i'm starting to try to do that more because i think it can help but also um i i, I like people it's just that initial kind yeah. of like will i be accepted you know yeah totally <laughs> um who else have you reached out to or who else do you see as a mentor 
definitely the the ladies at um, Big Mountain Foods. Yep. Yep. You know, Just had Jasmine great... on the podcast, actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they have a great story, too. I like those types of people who are kind of salt of the earth. They didn't, yeah. you know, they worked hard. They pulled up their sleeves and they got it done. Like, yep. you know, that's like inspiring for me because that is kind of how I'm doing it to know that other people have done it that way. And, um, and they're just really great, nice forthcoming people like if I have a question and I just ask them they they'll share everything with me you know and that's how I am with people but there's sometimes I've reached out and people will share nothing Mm. you know you kind of get discouraged like oh that was embarrassing or like oh you know did I did I overstep a boundary in asking a question like this but no you can't you just gotta have a stronger skin gotta find the right person for you yeah yeah you gotta find the right person yeah um so yeah, I mean, the Vancouver food community as a whole and natural food, I mean, mm. we've got some major heavy hitters. Of course, Charles Chang from Vega, I've seen yep. him talk every single time he's ever done a public speaking or a webinar. Um, the the crew over at Hollyhock who, who have a lot of investments mm-hmm. through, you know, Horizon and other things. So I've, you know, kind of done a couple of their courses uh, and done some things there. Um but yeah, I always just kind of watch everyone at a distance. Yeah. Yeah. Trade shows. Are you um, going to the CHFA this year? Yeah. Yeah. We've gone every year. I highly recommend it for yeah. smaller brands. I mean, that's how we got our first distributor. Yeah. I kind of went with one small goal in mind. Like the first year we went, it was to find a distributor. You know, yeah. and the second year it was to find maybe two or three larger retailers. Yeah. Not to try to do it all at once. Yeah, totally. I've got a couple more questions for you. Mm-hmm. If you had the opportunity to do it all over again, what would you do differently? I think I would trust myself a little bit more. And my, I think I would dream a little bigger from the beginning. Yep. And I think that in just doing those two things, not that I'd be farther along, but I still don't always trust myself because mm-hmm. I'm, I feel like I don't have experience or, or these other things, but whenever I go and then hire somebody to prove me wrong or to see what they would say, they always say what I was going to say. Yeah. And sometimes it costs you, you know, five, from $5,000 to $70,000, depending on what it is. So I think yeah. I've finally learned that, you know, there's a part of you that, you know, you do have to reach out to people, but never reach out to people to sort of undermine your vision. Yeah. Reach out to people to, support your vision or to help you get to where you want to go i think i was doing it wrong and i was like oh i don't know so but i did know i know what i wanted anyway Mm -hmm. um and so yeah i think that those are the two things that i would do differently that's great last question if we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you had had your best year ever what is it that you would have accomplished A rooftop garden on the top mm. of my facility that can be used as a, you know, a, a nice serene place for employees to go and have lunch and such, but a, a, just a nice place to have events and, and to do more community uh, engagement things, awesome. especially as things are, are lifting up and to yeah. kind of have more either education or cooking things yep. or soirees or just a gathering place and just to get more industry people mixing together more often. I mean, there's tons of food manufacturers here in where I am specifically within a walking distance. There's no reason why they couldn't come by for a beer more often, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I think secondly, we would have um, definitely our U S distribution probably 20 to $30 million in sales as a company. Huge. Um, and be, 
really making an impact on supporting right now we do some donations to backpack buddies and um, growing chefs. And for me, it's really important to be supporting and educating underprivileged kids in food and food education and nutrition, because that had a big impact on my life and just a finding a way of like how I can transition to being um, a speaker or somebody who's really championing the movement of nutrition for yep. people who are maybe living in poverty. Well, that's amazing. Huge goals. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time, Melissa. I really appreciate it. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and I know that everybody out there has enjoyed it as well, just due to the openness that you've given us. And uh, it, it's amazing what you can do with the CPG product. It's amazing what you can do when you're willing to roll up your sleeves and have a go, even if you feel as if you don't have all of the tools at the time, it's your testament to the fact that you can absolutely roll up your sleeves and get it done. So well done on all of your success. And I'm excited to watch you in the future. Yeah, thanks so much. Oh, and we did, um, we do have a promo code for anyone who's listening. Oh, here. great. It's pack, Thank you. Pack, pack heavy 15. So you'll get 15% off if you'd like to try the product and we have the full list. Um, yeah, and we deliver across Canada. That's amazing. I'll put it down in the show notes for everybody. Just make sure you click on the link and uh, and follow it through. So yeah, thank you very much, Melissa. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Take care. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions from today's episode or would like to know more about what I can do to help you achieve your packaging vision, you can reach me directly at Hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You could DM me on Instagram at thepackheavypodcast or we could also connect on LinkedIn and start a conversation there. I'll see you next week.